0: Welcome to The Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of The Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Jason Greer on the line. Jason, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, Mike. How about you?
0: I am awesome. Really looking forward to this conversation. Very timely of what's going on in the world and workplaces and everything else. So I want to share a little bit about you with the audience, and then we'll dive into the conversation.
1: Awesome. So my name is Jason Greer. I'm the founder and president of Greer Consulting, Inc. We are an employee and labor relations consulting firm. Uh, We specialize in all things employees, all things management, and all things diversity and diversity and inclusion. So I'm proud to say we're in the top 5% of employee and labor relations consultants in the country. Started my company in 2005 on a wing and a prayer, and we are here still kicking today. So I'm feeling great, buddy.
0: That's awesome. And that's a strong wing. And strong prayers too. That those always help. But no, congratulations on that success. And it takes time to build up a successful company. And obviously, you've done that. So, want you share a little bit about you know what was that journey was like? You know, from two thousand five to, we'll say twenty twenty at the beginning, because the last two years have been a completely different ball game. But love to hear Absolutely. kind of the thoughts and growing the business and some insights and things you learned along the way.
1: You know, I will tell you this. And so when I started my business, I really only had the idea of I just wanted to make enough to be able to pay the mortgage, be able to you know pay the car note, those kinds of things. I'm a former board agent with the National Labor Relations Board, so had my experience as a federal agent, but didn't have really any experience beyond a short stint with Quaker Oats in terms of what it would take to not only understand business but run a business. And I will tell you that I have made. Every single mistake you could think of in terms of, uh, you know, being on this entrepreneurial journey. But along the way of making those mistakes, I learned so much about myself, learned so much about, you know, what works and what doesn't work and was blessed to, you know, if you ever hear someone say that they woke up every day, you know, laced their bootstraps, pulled themselves up by the bootstraps and just got out there and worked. And just because by the sheer process of working hard, they were able to become what they became. They're lying to you. So much of this is luck. And I was lucky enough to come across some very good clients who really believed in my work in a way that I didn't believe in my work and believed in me in a way that I didn't believe in me. And through their network, through their basic belief in me, we've grown from a whole lot of nothing to a whole lot of something. So it's been an incredible ride. That is such an awesome start to hear.
0: And most of us that have been in this entrepreneurial world yeah we, we've checked all the boxes on the things not to yes. do even though there's plenty of evidence and information out there don't do this don't do that it's like don't touch that you'll burn yourself okay right ah, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where in many cases you just have to you have to learn you have to fall off that bike and skin your knee and and hurt yourself and then eventually go well, i don't want to do that again so what do i need to do differently and it's that's exactly. good and and I see this too. You mentioned, you know, that you didn't believe in you, but your clients did, and that's yes. that's common, especially when you're trying to build a business and yeah. the clients aren't coming yet. And you're like, oh, do I have something that no one wants? What did I do? Right. Is this a mistake? Do I need to go get a job? Got to go back to work in corporate, or you know, what do I need to do? And you know, you stuck through it, and you had those awesome clients that you know, believed in you and said, okay, let's. Let's work to and let's work together on this and, and really do some great things. so that's amazing. So let's talk about the last couple of years because I always like getting yes. insights from people uh, on how they've navigated through probably the most challenging period in in most of our lives, you know, from an external factor type of thing, you know, internally. And, you know, personally, some people have really difficult periods, but from a global scale, you know, this has impacted everybody. So I'd love to hear, you know, what your business has done over the last couple of years to help your clients and navigate through this and and including, you know, obviously focusing on, you know, making sure that uh, diversity and, and inclusiveness is, part and parcel for, you know, what those organizations are doing.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things that we've done for our clients is that we've been wonderful. I, I like to believe in the feedback that we received from our clients is that we've been wonderful sounding boards for them. No one really, you know, it's one thing to try to you know, project that a recession is coming because as of late, that's all the talk within the economic world is the fact that we're on the cusp of a recession. That's one thing because recessions come, recessions go. Who could have predicted that we'd go through not only a global pandemic, but a global pandemic that would last as long as it has? It's impacted supply chain. It's impacted goods, you know, getting goods, products, services out. But on the other side of that, it's really impacted people's perspective on life. So one of the things that we've seen that our clients are actively dealing with is when COVID hit, it was the ultimate reset. And when I say it was the ultimate reset, it was from this perspective, Mike. For the first time, for a lot of people, they were faced with their own mortality, where people started to ask bigger questions, not only in terms of where they are as a person, but where they like to be as professionals. And in the process of asking, where would I like to be as a professional? The bigger question was asked, what do I expect of employers? What do I expect, inspect, or, you know, uh, want from my particular employer? And what we started to see more from employees was that they were saying, we not only want to be paid better, but we want our managers who are going to speak to us, not at us. We want workplaces where we can have some semblance of work-life balance, where instead of my giving 14 to 16 hours a day to my employer, I would like to do something where I'm actually working from home so that I can be there for my kids. I can not be there for my significant others. I can not be there for the life that I want to live outside of work. So what we've helped our clients to do is to really help them to sort of do a priority shift. That's the day and age of doing the golden handcuffs where I would pay somebody a lot of money, but then expect them to work a lot of hours for the lot of money that I'm paying them. Those days are gone. Now we have to envision a model where we're not only paying our employees to do what they do, but we're also fostering environments in which they feel like they are prized. They feel like they're respected. They feel like they're recognized because these days talent can go anywhere. Because the job market is wide open for people who are looking to either move into different roles, move into different industries. So what we've helped our clients to do is sort of do this paradigm shift where there was life pre-COVID and now there's life today. So how can we you know, take advantage of your competitive instincts as well as fostering a nurturing heart so that you ensure that your employees want to be part of your organization?
0: It's so critical. And you know. as we mentioned briefly in, in the pre-show, the, the Great Resignation. You know, in April, 4.4 right. 4. 4 million Americans quit. Now, they're not all sitting on their couch playing PlayStation 5 games. No, they went out and they went somewhere else. They're doing a variety of different things. Maybe they launched their own business. Maybe they mm-hmm. went to another organization that is flexible in providing the needs of what that person needs. Because there are some people that really need the flexibility of working remotely some of the time, or maybe most of the time. And then there are people that thrive in an office environment and the thought of working home uh, drives them absolutely batty. And so it's in many cases, as you know, I talk with people and organizations. So right now is a lot of, deck chairs are being moved around. And yes. yes, it's it's traumatic to some and really problemsome to others, but ultimately you figure out okay, who are we as an organization? What do we want to do? Let's make sure this is critical, and you you kind of hinted at this, where organizations need to find out what their employees need and really truly listen to them and be yes. flexible about it because there was pre-COVID, and then there's now. Anybody that says, well, we're going to go back to the way it was before, in my opinion, delusional. Yes. We're not going back. It, we have moved on from that. Now, what does the future look like? That's up to us. And I mm-hmm. think the organizations that are flexible and can create an environment where they can get the best people to do the best work in a healthy Sustainable way so they don't burn out because that's the last thing you want to have happen. Uh, it, it just it makes things so much
1: better for everybody. Right, completely agree with you. Here's the thing: is that the status quo doesn't exist anymore because every single day things are changing. I mean, even when you look at COVID, think where we were in terms of the potency of COVID. What was that three years ago to the fact that now we're on what our fifth or sixth variation of the virus, you know, nature's changing, but business is also changing because you're having to keep up with the trends. Look, something that people don't spend enough time talking about like is the fact that millennials and Gen Z, and I think this is what history is going to show is that millennials and Gen Z- Zers are, have basically shifted the way that we think about life. You have in the case of millennials, it's you know the stats out there are amazing. They are the brightest generation. If we're going based on college degrees, they're the brightest generation that we've ever had before. I think I read somewhere where thirty six percent of uh, Gen Z or uh, millennials and Gen Zs have college educations, or they're at least in the process of getting college educations. Which means they're going to account for forty four percent of their generation will have college educations at some point. They are the brightest generation. They are technically gifted, but they're the first generation that will literally have less money than what their parents had. So you have these you know, generations of folks who went to school. They bought into the American dream because that's what we tell people is that you, you know, eat your vitamins, say your prayers, get your education. And they have all of this, these volumes of student loans. And now they're coming out to the, to the job market And they're being paid decently, but they're not being paid enough so that they can actually afford to pay off their student loans as well as their rent, you know, their card note, whatever the case might be. So, what they're asking the market to do is to see us, is to listen to us, is to flex for us the way that you did for other generations. Because the, you know, the misnomer is that these groups of people don't want to work. They want to work. But they want to work and they actually want to be able to afford to live based on what they get paid for their work. So we're seeing these shifts in the corporate environments. And what I say to my clients and what I say to people in general is this. If the shift is happening, you want to make sure that you're ahead of the curve, not behind the curve. Because if you're behind the curve now, imagine where you're going to be two to three years from now. It's going to be like going to light speed like you're the Millennium Falcon and Star Wars. you Star Wars guy. The gulf is going to be too too big for you to possibly cross. So if you see these trends that are happening in the market now, do something about it so that you position your company appropriately for it. But you can also demonstrate to people as a whole, we got you. Come to work for us because this is a place that not only will pay you well, but we will make you feel like you are a part of our family as opposed to just being part of the corporation.
0: It's so important, and I remember early in my career working you know, at a CPA firm. And you know, I felt like part of the family there, and mm-hmm. I felt included. I was listened to. I was there for over eight years of you know beginning of my career, and it was an amazing foundation. And you know, millennials and Gen Z. You know, they're moving around a little bit because in order to survive, they have to. Exactly. And it's, it's a situation where we have to figure out, you know, everybody says, well, we need to lower the prices. I'm like, uh, you skipped. Economics, didn't you? Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I remember taking that class. I should have taken more marketing classes. I had an accounting degree. I took the marketing class because it was required, but I should sure. have taken I should have taken more. That's my one regret in life. I'd, as many dumb things as I've done, and I'm not going to mention any of them, but I've done some dumb things. But the one regret is that I didn't take more marketing classes when I was in college. But... I can still take them now. But uh, that's the beautiful <laughs> thing about it. Yeah, and a little, little, right. little, little slower uptake as I get older, but I get there. But we, we can't say, okay, well, you know, a house that's $750,000 is now going to be $350,000. It would have a ripple Second. effect on every industry. It's like, no, we need to pay people more so they can afford that. Which means yes. the cost of things are going to go up, which there's all of these things. It's that that fight where oh, I'm gonna get this big raise and then I'll be able to buy all this stuff. It's like, yeah, no, because the stuff is gonna go up in price. And mm-hmm. another thing that I've seen in this pandemic, and I've talked with people about it in the conferences I speak at and all that, is like get really crystal clear on what you actually need in life. You know, yes, trinkets are nice, collectibles are nice, nice furnishings and decorations. That's all great. Um, yes. I'm not telling you not to, but get simplistic at first and just go. Well, you know, what do we really need? Does this serve exactly? If exactly. it does, great. You know, if if that you know plaque or that poster or collectible, whatever you have, if that gives you joy and fulfillment and happiness, by all means, if you can afford it, get it. Because yes. life is about living and enjoying life, but. Don't just do it to do it. Um, it it creates a lot of financial stress, which no one needs that because that's pretty bad too, but I agree it's you know there's a lot of things that need to be done, and we're going to be going through an adjustment period and I remember talking to people twenty years ago and saying, we're going to have an adjustment coming at some point, and it's not going to be comfortable, but it's gonna happen and I didn't know about a pandemic or whatever else, <laughs> but didn't predict I didn't have that one on my bingo sheet, but, but you should uh, tell
1: people that you did predict the pandemic. You're there you go. tons of money. There you go. Like, you. like like That's Al Gore marketing.
0: like Al Gore invented the internet. That that one no, I'm exactly. not, not getting political. I, you know Vice President <laughs> Gore was great and did great things and all that good stuff. But yeah, but no, it's like yeah I, yeah, I but I didn't document anywhere. Well it was 20 years ago. We didn't have documents back then. <laughs> it was on my it was on my AOL account. Sorry, I don't have that anymore. I forgot the password. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But no, but it's. And like I said, we've got some interesting times. So, where do you see things in the next few years? I mean, I'm guessing there's still going to be a movement, but again, there's going to be a lot of shifting of things. Where do you see things? I don't. I don't want to say settling, but eventually getting to a
1: point where it's a little more clear where things are going to land. Yeah, great question. I see the, uh, I mean, it's all over the place, especially when you look at a company like Starbucks, we're likely going to see an increase in union organizing because that's happening throughout the industry. Um, I think that you're also going to see a greater focus on companies prioritizing diversity and inclusion. And I'm going to say something that's going to sound cynical, but Mike, I need you to rock with me when I say this you're going to see a greater focus on diversity and inclusion not because companies are trying to prize diversity and inclusion but because companies right now are so they're struggling so much to get people through the door that now companies are having to be more creative in terms of who they bring in the door and how they go about getting those people so you're going to see a greater you know focus on going to historically black colleges, universities, HBCUs. You're going to see more creative attempts to get people from diverse backgrounds in the door because a lot of traditional employees are either retiring out of the market. When I say traditional employees, I'm saying your older employees are either retiring out of the market. They're retiring rich because of the economic boom that we just had. Or in some cases, they decided, you know what? I'm tired of doing this rat race. COVID taught me that I could actually live Working from home, working in my college, working from my computer, so they become entrepreneurs. So I think we're going to see this gradual um, change within the market, and it's going to be a change that's born out of necessity, not necessarily because people game planned. it whatever way it
0: happens, it needs to happen because the world is diverse and our workplaces should reflect that. And unfortunately in some industries, it still doesn't, but necessity is going to be the case where people aren't finding people and like, okay, we're going to have to change what we're looking for and be really creative because guess what it's, and I agree with you, the, the union movement is, is something that, you know, when you start seeing Starbucks and other places, uh, right. an Apple store and all of that start to unionize, it will hopefully correct a lot of the bad management behavior that we've seen in these organizations for a very long time.
1: Um, we'll, we'll see. But I, I hope. I hope. It, you know. Well, and that's... Go ahead. I'm so sorry to say this to you, but that's one of the things I say to my clients is because I, you know, my clients are routinely asking because they're looking at what's happening at Starbucks. They're looking at what's happening at Amazon, Apple, go on down the line, Target, you know, Verizon, Home Depot. And the question that they ask is, how do we ensure that we remain non-union? Not because we want, hate unions, but because we want to ensure that our employees know that they can come to us and talk to us about our issues and concerns. And what I say to them is, then be vulnerable, be transparent, be present. Talk to your employees. When your employees come to you with their issues and concerns, don't do like so many managers have done, say, five years ago, 10 years ago, and that was, I hear you, I see you, but I'll get back to you. And they don't follow up because in the minds of your employees, they never forget. So if you want to you know, make sure that you don't go through the route that Starbucks is currently going through, be present with your employees and remember this. People will work for money, but they'll die for respect and they'll die for recognition. But how, Mike, you want to be recognized might be different than how I want to be recognized. And how you want to be respected might be different than how I want to be respected. But the key is to ensure that you are present for your employees so that you don't have to go through what Starbucks is going through. It's going to be an interesting time for sure. So Jason, how do we
0: conversation? Where can people
1: find out more about you and this awesome work you do? Definitely. Please feel free to go to my website. It's HireGCI.com. You can find me on LinkedIn under uh, Jason Greer and as well as on Twitter uh, at Labor Diversity. I'm really proud that I finally got the blue check mark on Facebook and uh, uh, Instagram. So I think that means I'm verified. I think that means that I'm doing something right. But it's been a great ride, man.
0: That's awesome. And I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So Jason, continued great success from all this important work you're doing.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Thanks for the conversation.